This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And hey, the trade deadline's over. I know this is the part you get to like. Where's the lineup? Show me who's here, and then I will discuss about it. So the trade deadline is over. We already talked about our thoughts and opinions on the acquisition of Ricard Raquel from the Anaheim Ducks. If you didn't hear that, go back. On our podcast feed, it is the last episode before this one, entitled Trade Deadline Special, Ricard Raquel is a Pittsburgh Penguin. So go back to that one, check that out, that's our full thoughts. But since then, the Penguins have played two games, one win, one shootout loss. But when you look at it in a back-to-back scenario, three out of four points, you'll take that almost every single time. Regardless if the second game was Buffalo. You know, Buffalo's been pretty okay recently. I think I saw they have won, like, six of their last nine, which is nice, and you kind of roll with the punches. The NHL and hockey is weird. Any given team can win on any given night, unless your name is the Montreal Canadiens. But we played Buffalo, who have been decent this year. Craig Anderson is an NHL goaltender, despite being 40. Yeah. Um, And we were able to beat him. We were able to stay in the game that Tage Thompson single-handedly still continues to give the penguins nightmares so it was good that the penguins were able to especially the big it was the big three that were able to keep them in the game and successfully secure a point the penguins did not look phenomenal as a matter of fact a lot of the lineup looked outright bad but the fact that we were able to stay in the game you know capitalize on opportunities of multiple power play goals and right multiple power play goals or was it just the one Two. Cool, yeah. Multiple power play goals remaining in the game and remaining uh, close enough to keep it a... Uh, to, get, to get us a point. Mm-hmm. We'll take it for now. Mostly, I'm saying we'll take it mostly because it wasn't an important matchup for standings. The playoffs in the East are just about set. It's just a matter of placement, so we're not worried about losing out on a point and missing the postseason. It's not going to happen. We're, the eight that are in are going to make it barring a drastic collapse. Mm-hmm. So we're not too worried about missing out on that second point. We'll take the one, advance up a point, and gain some ground uh, up the Metro race. But it wasn't an important game. So I'm looking at it as it sucks we didn't win because it's Buffalo and you want to always beat Buffalo because they're not a great team. But mm-hmm. they've been pretty good as of late. Craig Anderson still has the legs, apparently. Yeah. And... You know, we're in the playoffs. It's not like we're going to miss a seed for this. Mm -hmm. A couple of things before we continue talking here. The Buffalo Sabres, you mentioned it, are 7-3 and in their last 10 games. But not only that, let's... I'm going to quickly go down through their scores in the month of March. 5-1 win at Toronto. 5-4 win against the Minnesota Wild. They did lose 3-0 to the LA Kings on home ice. But again, the Kings, a playoff team as of right now. They did lose 6-1 to the Florida Panthers, but the Panthers are great. 3-1 Three to one win over the Vegas Golden Knights, a five to two win in the Heritage Classic over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Once again, they got crushed by the Edmonton Oilers, six to one. But then, since then, they've now won three straight, beating the Flames one to nothing in overtime in Calgary, beating the Canucks, who are heating up three to two in overtime in Vancouver, and then of course beating the Pittsburgh Penguins in a shootout. They're playing some pretty good hockey, so kudos to them on being able to get some positives. Honestly, since the Jack Eichel trade, I feel like a lot of the the, the storyline with the Sabres has been mainly positive. Obviously not a great season, but Alex Tuck has been really good. Tage Thompson has 27 goals on the season, so clearly he's been scoring against more than just the Pittsburgh Penguins. And honestly, Peyton Krebs, who they also got in that deal for Jack Eichel, has been really good, and he's a really young player. So they've been doing a pretty decent job as of late especially since the the Jack Eichel trade. But there were two games this week. We don't really talk too much or need to talk too much about the Columbus game, even though they completely dominated. It's probably one of their best and most complete games of the season so far. They dominated at 5-on-5. They dominated on the power play. The only goal they gave up was early in the game, 
after a double minor taken by Mike Matheson. So the Columbus game, honestly, if you want to see what the Penguins are at their best, go rewatch that Columbus game from Tuesday because they completely shut down the Blue Jackets. Any chance they got, Tristan Jari was solid in net. So honestly, it was Jekyll and Hyde though. Because it was so good on Tuesday and so bad on Wednesday. They were outskated in the first one and you thought, okay, this is a team coming on to a back-to-back. They'll pick it up and the cream will rise to the top. And realistically, it never happened. Buffalo outplayed them for three straight periods. The Penguins dominated overtime. They had the majority of the chances in overtime. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't enough to get over the hump. They still get the pity point. And at this point of the season, you move on from that. You say, okay, we'll take the point. You mentioned the fact that they don't have to really worry about falling out of a playoff spot. I did the math the other day, and I don't know if this is true for both teams still, but Columbus and the Islanders are the first two teams out. They would have to go 500, 9-9 in their last 18 games, and the Penguins would have to lose out for them to pass Pittsburgh. So the odds are the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to make it to the playoffs. That's not an issue, and that's why I think you see Sullivan getting a little bit more liberal with his line changes. He's trying to find things that could work later. But all in all, this game was not great for the Pittsburgh Penguins on Wednesday. On Tuesday, though, they did have probably their most complete performance of the season. Yeah, they did. It was the Wednesday, the Tuesday game was <clears throat> all around great. You were able to bounce back from giving up a goal early, and that's comes from a double minor, so that's going to happen. But um, able to shut down a good team in Columbus. They're not terrible. They're the first team out of the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they're far out, but they're the first team out still. And like you mentioned, it is still possible they can make it, just barring some pretty wild circumstances. <clears throat> um, they're just teams you want to beat. And with the extra, with that pity point coming from the Buffalo game, that puts us three up on the Rangers, and that's who we play next. So even if we outright lose to them, we're still ahead of them. We're still mm-hmm. ahead of them in the standings of the Metropolitan Division, there is still some ground to be made because we have a game in hand on them. I think they play tonight, actually, though. Could be wrong at that one. But um, <clears throat> we'll take any... In this situation, whenever all eight teams are just about locked into the postseason, not so much the seeding, but they're locked into have uh, spring and summer hockey coming up in front of them, you get a little more, like you mentioned, liberal with your lines. You get a little more experimental with things because... Uh, half of your goal is already achieved, making the postseason. You're there. Now let's try and see what we have, what will actually make this team better than everyone else come playoff time. All eight teams can start doing this, pretty much. Mm -hmm. They all have the opportunity to start experimenting. I think that's why the Florida Panthers just went out and got it. It's like they're not playing for a playoff spot anymore. They're playing to win the Stanley Cup. That's why the Florida Panthers went out and acquired so many names. The Lightning... They're not fighting for a spot. They're playing to win the Stanley Cup again. So they went out and dropped some names and added some others. Um, it's an interesting concept, the fact that all eight teams, have, for a long time now, have had their destiny pretty much already decided in terms of getting to the postseason. Now they're all able to just tweak and experiment and see what small moves or small adjustments can make a difference in terms of winning. Um it should be a, it sh- if all eight teams can take advantage of just experimenting. I think it could be an, an interesting end of the season for a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think it's going to be a fun stretch run. It's going to be a unique stretch run that we don't usually see from an entire playoff field in the Eastern Conference. I'm glad you were actually talking there about the different trying different things because Mike Sullivan has tried something that he hasn't really tried much in his tenure as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that is putting Crosby, Malkin, and Jake Gensel all on the same line. He started off just doing it as a post-penalty kill thing to get the momentum back, to get some offensive opportunities when the best players on the other team are not on the ice. But it seems to be getting utilized more and more as the games go on. They just had him out there for a random 5-on-5 shift. Nowhere near any power play or penalty kills. So... Do you like this new wrinkle that he's instituted of putting Malkin and Crosby and Gensel all on the same line at the same time? And do you want to see more of it? Or do you think that it should be reserved for certain situations? I like it, but I like it being reserved for certain situations. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to waste that time and energy uh, of those two together because... um, 
you just don't want to it's hard to explain i like it i do like the idea a lot in the grand scheme of things it's always best players score goals mm-hmm. in the bare minimum yes and putting them together should translate to more goals but that's not how analytics work that's not just how hockey works but it's an interesting idea especially as just a little special try um or like a momentary just like the the way he's been deploying just momentarily we're gonna try it and see what happens has it produced anything yet i can't really remember no no i mean great chances but they haven't been able to score a goal with that line specifically okay so it's just it's the experimental thing again like he's got nothing to lose by doing it we're not gonna fall out of a playoff spot maybe you give up a chance the other way but i haven't seen that yet either i don't think they've Mm -hmm. collected a minus as those three so i like it i don't want it to be permanent i like it just as your little post uh post penalty kill uh, re momentum regainer momentum addition it's um it's fun i like the idea because again it's essentially your it's three of your power play guys with whoever happens to be on defense at the moment which could be four if it's Latang. so i love the idea and i like where it is in terms of being utilized don't do it as a line don't make it your starting lineup for you know to start the period or more five on five work let it be the special the special occasion to gain your momentum or or the um what's it called down the stretch of the game if you're down by one and need a goal before you pull the goalie or something like that yeah and i'm trying to figure out again i need to do a a much better account of making sure whose tweet it is before i I decide that i want to talk about it but somebody said yesterday one of the penguins beat reporters that this was actually an idea they talked to malkin and carl or they talked to sullivan said this was actually an idea that was pushed by the players you know mike sullivan is taking input from everybody and evgeny malkin specifically was very excited to spend more time on a line with Crosby, more excited to spend more time on the ice with Crosby. I mean, when you look at it, those two guys, there's a reason when Crosby hit 500 goals, Malkin is assisted on the majority of them. Yes, obviously the power play, but mainly because these two guys play really well together and have for a very long time. So I do really like this wrinkle. I agree with you that I don't think this should be a thing that, hey, we do this twice a period, every single period, because one then people can start getting ready for that. Then people can start matching up with that. But I do like every once in a while trying to change the pace of the game, putting these guys out there, especially when you need a goal. Wednesday, they needed goals. They were never in front in that game. The only thing that was good about the Penguins was their special team. So at 5-on-5, they needed something extra. So putting Crosby, Malkin, and Gensel out there, I like it. I I like how he's deployed it, and I trust that he won't overuse it. But there's just an issue of, when you've won these Stanley Cups, you've won them because all four lines have played really well and you've been able to just flip them over the boards one after the other. Once you start mixing and mashing, it seems like you're kind of on your heels and I'm just hoping, and I know that he won't, but I'm hoping that Sullivan doesn't start relying on that. That's when there's an issue, but I don't think that's going to be the case. No, I don't think so because more recently, all four of the lines have looked a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It wasn't the abysmal... Uh, showing that it was for a little bit where literally the bottom three forward lines were not scoring a damn thing at all it was only the first line in the power play Mm -hmm. so since they've started picking their game up a little bit we've removed the dead weight of guys who can't score and we've already seen more offense from from the guys down there and that's just in two games but on top of that and more recently in the past games before the trade deadline there's been a bit more of a resurgence and a bit more of an offensive game game coming from uh, the bottom six, which is exactly what we needed. It's what we've been begging for. Now, I was going to say, if the power play can figure their shit out, looks like they're starting to do that too. Yeah. So things look to be trending in the right direction. The, this season has just been a uh, bunch of peaks and valleys, if you will, for the Penguins. It's a matter of just hitting the peak at the right time, and for what it's worth, Sidney Crosby is hitting a new peak at the correct time. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, be scared. He is he is on a roll. I mean, I don't even know. What was his stat line? I know he had three points on Tuesday. I know he had a goal yesterday, but did he have an assist on that Malkin goal? I don't know. The, the, the puck movement on that tying goal was ridiculous, or that was a little Latang goal. But the puck movement was absolutely ridiculous. I know Crosby now is officially 
number one on the Pittsburgh Penguins in scoring. He has passed Jake Gensel, so it was nice for Gensel to, to take that lead through the majority of the season, but Crosby has now stepped right back into the lead. Uh, one of the Twitter personalities and Twitter accounts that I really love to follow, and you do as well, and most Penguins Twitter does, and usually, you know, beautiful facts, beautiful stats, beautiful nuggets. The one thing that he tweeted yesterday, though, before the end of the game, once Latang tied it up, as soon as I saw that, I said, you know, I don't think they're going to win because I believe, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. And when I saw Bob Grove tweet that this is the 10th time Sid, Gino, and Latang have all scored in the same game, Pens are 9-0-0 the previous nine times. I said, that is a bad omen. Why did you have to tweet that right there? You could have waited till the end. I know, it, it's Bob Grove. When he has the nuggets, he's going to give us the nuggets, and I appreciate him for all of it. But I saw that, and I said, oh, man, they're going to lose this game now, aren't they? Uh, I think for, I mean, I didn't see it until the overtime period. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know when it was actually, like, the timing of when it was tweeted out. I didn't see it until the overtime period was on, and I figured, and I thought the same thing at first, but I at least figured, you know what, we're already in overtime. At least it won't be 9-1. and one. It'll be nine zero and one, if anything, which is okay yes. by me. If you, if, if you, will. that means they've gotten points in each of those games. Yes. So it is something to fall back on. It is, it is the big three, and it's really fun. Also, Crosby had a goal and an assist yesterday, so for two points. So five in his last two games. My God, is that gross? How many, like just this season, sixty six points in fifty three games. He would have over a hundred points this year if he would have been healthy at the beginning. Oh. Oh, man. Easily. An MVP race would be, although Shesterkin's starting to lose his footing here. But just, wow. Wow. Yeah. You'd think he'd be the one in the contract year. (laughs) Well, he just performs like that no matter what. No, this is just Sidney Crosby. Yeah, this is literally like, this is a thing where it took us how long to realize what his stat line is because it's just like, oh, yeah, that's that's Sid. He does that. He, He does that all the time. I'm, I keep seeing these numbers pop up on these notifications of, like, 40-plus assists. Um, this is just for anyone in the league. 40-plus mm-hmm. uh, assists, however many points. And I just continue thinking to myself, dude, this season just started, didn't it? What do you mean they have 40 yeah. points? Like, there No, is... we're, we're past the deadline, and I'm still trying to catch up. I'm still in the mindset of, yes, yeah, Sidney Crosby's just coming off of an injury. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's played 50 games, and he's really healthy, clearly. Yep, there's five weeks until the start of the playoffs. Yeah, maybe I should get into late season mode in my head. <laughs> you got to. We're running well, out of hockey left to be played. But again, everyone's already got their in the East. Everyone has their playoffs decided. It's yeah. I, there's nothing much really to fight for. I mean, Seating. positioning, especially yeah. considering some of the teams at the top of this conference. I don't. I wouldn't want to play the Panthers in the first round. No. Well. So. They, no. have a hump to get, they have a hump to get over, and Bobrovsky's not great in the postseason. So. I don't care. I don't want to play the Panthers in the first round. Oh, hell no, me neither. Let someone else take them out. Correct. Um, so let's get back to get back to the Pittsburgh Penguins here. Of course, one of those rare special teams nights where they were actually perfect. Two for two on the power play. Three for three on the penalty kill, which is nice to see. You would have just wished they were a little bit better at five on five. Let's talk really quickly about Ricard Raquel. Obviously traded the Penguins on Monday, showed up in Pittsburgh on Tuesday, has now played in two games, but yet to practice with the team. What have you thought about Ricard Raquel's first couple of games, Horwat? He's looks pretty good. Yeah, I know people are people are angry at him being on the third line. He's that's not a burial, first of all, it's not. No. This team is pretty solid up front. We're not too worried about the new guy who, like you mentioned, has not practiced with the team. They, he hasn't yeah. had a full he's had morning skates. Congratulations. He's probably not going to have a practice with this team until, like, next week. They're not going to practice today on Thursday, and they're probably not going to practice on Saturday because they have a game against the Red Wings on Sunday. They don't want to overuse these guys, so he's probably going to practice on Monday, if anything. Yeah, it's going to be a while still. So I like the third-line spot because, you know what, you got to ease him into the system, too. Without a practice and you're just shoving him into gameplay, you got to ease him in. Mm-hmm. It's not ideal to just pick someone up on the at the deadline and it's hey we haven't had a practice yet and you you flew here overnight rather than sleeping in your own comfortable bed uh hey first line get in there go sit next to no no you can't do that um also didn't he miss the last three games and uh and yeah he did yeah with an undisclosed injury which could have been trade they just didn't want to play him yes (laughs) correct 
Um, so think of that too. He's also missed three games. He has also missed ice time already, so he's got to catch up some speed now too. It's not far behind because it's only three games, but it's still something that um, a guy like especially Mike Sullivan will look at and say, "All right, we got to ease you into this. You got to catch. We got to catch you back up to speed." And implement you whenever it's fully necessary. If you remember Kasperi Kapanen coming over yeah. the coming over the pond last year, he started on the fourth line. Yeah, because you had what? You, what did you have to do? He had to ease him into the speed of the game. Mm-hmm. Now it's Ricard Raquel. He has played this season, um, but again, you add on three missed games, an overnight flight, two games in a row without a practice. Yeah, third line's fine. That's exactly where he should be to start. We discussed him playing on Malkin's or Crosby's line. I think we expect him to start on Malkin's line, but that's because maybe we were just thinking video game style, like, hey, they're going to be yeah. good to go right away. It's shove him in, let him play. Um, I think that is the ultimate destination to start. I think we're just still trying to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we, like he's had his start with the Penguins, but it's a matter of where we think his placement is going to be. Mm-hmm. But then he was playing with Crosby at one point last game. So, yeah. hey, you know what? This is what happens whenever everyone's got their playoff spot set. Correct. And honestly, with the whole putting him on the third line thing, Sullivan does this with everybody. So I don't know why anybody was super surprised. You mentioned the fact that he has to get his feet underneath him. Why would you hamstring? That's not a word. Why would you hinder your second or first line, not allowing them to go out for as much ice time because this guy doesn't have his legs yet. He played 14 minutes on Tuesday, 16 minutes on Wednesday, so you can clearly see already that he's ramping up a little bit. You saw on Wednesday that he played on that Crosby line with Crosby and Jake Gensel, and when they were on the ice, I mean, the analytics don't lie. They had three scoring chances to zero. They had one high-danger scoring chance to zero. They didn't allow a shot at five-on-five when they were on the ice. Now, they were only out there for five minutes, but that's a half-decent sample size to not allow a single shot on goal. So already some pretty good returns. He had a great first shift on Tuesday. He had a really impressive overtime move that I thought was going to end it on Wednesday. So he's already being noticeable, which is what you want to see. He didn't come in. He hasn't scored a point yet. He had two shots on goal in each game. But he's starting to get used to the system. And already you're seeing what kind of a difference maker he is offensively. He's already been more impressive than Zach Aston, Reese, and Dominic Simone combined. So you're more excited about the future with him than you were with those two guys. So in that aspect, I'm very excited to see where he goes. Does he end up on the first line? I don't know. Does he end up with Evgeny Malkin on the second line? I don't know. But I really like that second line of of Heinen, Malkin, and Rust. I think that they've been really good together. So if you can keep that first or that second line together, put Raquel with Crosby see those results, and then have a third line of Kapanen, Carter, and when he gets healthy, Jason Zucker. And then you have, who, Brian Boyle, Redeem Zahorna, Teddy Bluger, Brock McGinn. You have all these options. Evan Rodriguez you haven't even listed yet. And Evan Rodriguez. You have so many options, and that is what Ricard Raquel brings to this lineup, and that's what he gives to Mike Sullivan. So you should be excited if you're a Penguins fan to see, especially, we've mentioned it a couple times, Sullivan's going to tinker with the lineup because of how solidified they are in the postseason. We're going to see a lot of different combinations of all of these guys, especially when people, knock on wood, all get healthy, which I still believe is a farce. But when the majority of the players get healthy, we're going to see a lot of different combinations in the regular season. We will. It'll be fun. Like I said, once once seeding starts to get a little more solidified, then I think it'll be just be all hell breaking loose. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not like we'll see like the big big names start to get some uh, <clears throat> healthy scratches in for rest days. Uh, like I wouldn't expect probably Crosby or Malkin, maybe one of them, to play in the last game of the year if yeah. everything's all set in stone. Um, I wouldn't expect even Tristan Jari to play in that game. Uh, but it is a matter of getting those seedings set in stone, though. We just do still. Mm-hmm. Still, we still do have a little battle left in front of us, but things are shaping up to look pretty solid, and I'm excited to see what kind of experiments can be had. Mm-hmm. And even without the experiments, like I mentioned on the uh, special episode we did at the deadline, <clears throat> let's say a guy like Kapanen or Rodriguez, both of them for that matter, just stop performing. They they get back into their rut that they that they've been in. 
we cannot hesitate to healthy scratch them for a guy like Brian Boyle just to step in and be a different body in the lineup. Or oh, I mentioned another name. We have Zahorna as an option. We have mm-hmm. Drew O'Connor as an option if we really, really needed it. Mm-hmm. There are options that can maybe not produce more or less than uh, a droughting uh, Rodriguez or Kapanen, but they're at least a new face and can drive a different opportunity for the rest of the team. So, Yeah, it's a jolt to the lineup. We got to be quick with, um, especially in, in the playoffs, we got to be quick with, hey, you're not performing, done, down. We got... Mm-hmm. We got some things to worry about with three big names that uh, I'm not saying last kick at the cam, but a lot of people are, and they're not getting any younger. Yeah. It's not guaranteed that all three of these guys are back next season. Let's all keep a mind on that. Enjoy what we're seeing now because it, it might, I mean, yes, of course, the high priority is re-signing both of those guys, but it might not happen. So uh, keep that reality in the back of your mind. I'm glad you mentioned the last game of the season. That would actually be a home game against the Edmonton Oilers who are fighting for a playoff spot. So if they need to be in the playoffs, if they need that win, shit, play Crosby and Malkin and end their season. (laughs) I like that idea too. I love that idea. Um, but you would assume by game 82, the Oilers have their shit figured out. That's because I don't know because the Vegas Golden Knights are also not in a playoff spot right now. It's a very interesting, it's, it's the complete opposite in the Western conference that it is in the East. There's like six teams that can go in and out of the playoffs on every, any given day at this point. Listen, are fans finally fed up with the Golden Knights? Yes. Yes, and we will talk about that later. Don't worry. Oh, yay. Cool. Don't um, don't worry. I have something on that. But, yeah, just I like the idea of kicking their chances out, too. But teams that get in on game 82, oh, I can't think of a team that has, at least. Teams that get in on game 82 don't usually win the first round anyway. Mm-hmm. Because if you get in on game 82, you probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. So for the for the Oilers to come into Pittsburgh and say, we need to win this game, Good luck. Good luck. If, if you do win, good luck in a week. Just get your tea times ready. Sorry, Connor. Yeah. Especially Again. if they especially if they end up as wild card too, because they will be playing the Colorado Avalanche in that instance. Mm. We didn't quite like it. Even if they're wild card one, they're playing the Calgary Flames, and in my opinion, they're more dangerous than than Colorado. So, uh, but that's a discussion for a different day and a different podcast. Maybe you can come on to the hockey hotbed and we'll uh, we'll bullshit about that. But uh, the last thing I want to talk about. With these games, before we move on to quickly preview the Penguins versus the New York Rangers, a massive matchup at MSG on Friday, how frustrating is it watching Sidney Crosby perform in the shootout at this point? I've been saying this for years now. I'm not saying take him off the shootout, but I'm saying he needs to do more. Do more. Why doesn't he, though? Like, it doesn't make sense because he is such a competitor every other sense of the word. I know he is still so good that his career is 41.8%, which is kind of blasphemous if you consider it he's 33 for 79 in his career so it's still he has two moves slow entry and a quick shot or a slightly quicker entry and he deeks once and goes five hole he doesn't really do much else and he certainly doesn't go in there and make many deeks because usually when he does that he scores that's why it doesn't make sense because when we do see him pull his skills out of a hat it's just immediate. And it's not like he's saving it for anything because there's no shootouts in the playoffs. It's not when it matters the most. So what are you what are you saving for? So I think maybe he's over he is just that competitive that he doesn't want to risk um over deking himself and just straight up giving him zero chance to get a shot off. Yeah. I think there's I think he takes it too psychologically. I think he's overthinking the fact of if I at least get a shot on net, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I think that's his thought process in the shootout. Wayne is. Gretzky, Michael Schott. Michael Schott, Michael Scott. But yes, yeah. I think it's, he wants to at least guarantee to himself that he's going to get a shot off and put it on net rather than mishandle a deke and he just loses it. Maybe that's his process. But at the same time, it's a shootout. Who cares? You're out there too. Back when the shootout was fun, he wasn't doing that. That was the thing. Guys were coming into the down to the shootout and taking their, you know, pulling their big hands out of the deeks and hands out of that the souk, Patrick Kane. That era. That yeah. was great. They were pulling that out of hats and just making everyone wonder what the hell is going on with the shootout. And then everyone decided, hey, it's probably smarter just to utilize your shot because i think that's what crosby also does he knows he has a hell of a shot 
Mm-hmm. So he dis- he does what Mario did and just disguises it to, I'm not shooting yet, I'm not shooting yet. Hey, I didn't shoot yet, but the puck's in the net. I think that's their. I think that's his thought process because that's what Mario was able to do so well is to disguise his shot to the point of you couldn't really tell he was shooting it until the puck was directly next to you. Yeah. So and that's what that's especially uh, in the Sabres game. That's what it looked like Crosby was doing. Just kind of waited, hesitated, and then quickly ripped his shot before Anderson could have been ready for it. Yeah. Um, and also, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Maybe he was just hoping something would trickle. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I've been saying it for years. He doesn't do enough. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's exactly, you, like, you hit the nail on the head there with what he does. Is he knows he has a really good shot, and I'm sure in his mind, and I'm sure with the stati- stats and statistically, it's probably higher chance you score when you just come in, wait out the goalie, find a soft spot, and shoot at it. So that's probably why he does it, but still it is uh, mind-numbing considering the talent that we all know he has, yet he refuses to use. But uh, that is going to be it for that segment. We're going to quickly take a break, and when we come back, we're going to preview Penguins versus Rangers. We'll be right back. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Pittsburgh Penguins going into a colossal matchup with the New York Rangers on Friday evening at Madison Square Garden. The first game for the Penguins, surprisingly, in Madison Square Garden this season. It is the end of March, which is crazy to think that they haven't gone into that historic building yet this season. But they will on Friday. They will take on the Rangers, a team that they've only played once this season and in that game of course at ppg paints arena the penguins prevailed with a one to nothing win malkin scoring the lone goal and tristan jari out dueling igor shesterkin in that one i expect that that is the goaltending matchup we're going to get on friday i'm very excited for this game of course the rangers are six and four in their last 10 games so they've taken a beat backwards the penguins currently have three standings points on the rangers and we will get our first look at their new additions of andrew Kopp. Tyler Mott, Justin Braun, and Frankie Vetrano all sprinkled throughout their lineup. None of them playing together. So all sprinkled throughout their forward lineup and their decor. Horwat, what are you looking for in this matchup between the Blue Shirts and the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, More people talking about how this could be really fun in the playoffs. Mm Because it it really could be. This could be one of the playoff matches we see. Um, It's two very fun teams, especially this season. Um, And you expect to see... Uh, Shesterkin like, really regained some ground because I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but he, I've heard he hasn't been phenomenal in the last few games, um, which is not ideal for someone they were literally talking about winning the MVP this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still got 30 wins this year, which is pretty solid. Can't deny that. Um, but it looks like he sprinkled some losses in the last few games. In his last five, he's only got... He's, <laughs> his last five, he's only two and three. With, let me see here, four goals against, four goals against and a win, two against, one and one against and a win, and five against and a loss. Uh, he's probably looking to regain some ground in the A MVP race, in the B winning games race, mm-hmm. and C, uh, the Metropolitan race, because 
like I said earlier, uh, <clears throat> they're three points behind us now. Even with an outright victory, they can't catch us yet, and we still have a game yeah. in hand on them. Um, they just need to quickly gain some ground, and I think they should be able to do that. And winning a game against us would quickly be able to do that. It is just a matter of Sturkin re- regaining some momentum, and it's hard to, especially for a goalie, it's hard to hold that momentum all season. That's why you don't see goalies win MVPs very often. Mm-hmm. But... And he doesn't... I mean, it's not that he doesn't have the scoring in front of him. Because he does. They're <clears throat> the, the Rangers are the weird team that can just pop off for eight goals in a game. Or yeah. five by one player, whatever it may be. It's just a matter of... If you can stop them, I think finding goals isn't the hardest because every goalie is human. Yeah, I mean, Igor Shosturkin versus Tristan Jari, that is clearly going to be the matchup that night obviously you look at Panarin Crosby on each side you look at Malkin versus Benajad these are all great matchups and listen both teams are very talented very skilled it's a game that's going to be high flying there's going to be plenty of hits obviously with the guys that they have on their lineup and with the guys that we have on our lineup it is a rivalry that I'm very excited is starting to kick up again because the best of the Pittsburgh Penguins always happens when they go up against the New York Rangers or the the Washington Capitals, the Flyers, when they're not a dumpster fire like they are this season. So I'm excited for this rivalry to renew. Of course, these two teams playing two games, I'm pretty sure in the next week against each other. I'm pretty sure after the Red Wings on Sunday, these two teams match up again next week at some point. And you mentioned Shesterkin kind of going in the other direction, kind of leveling out to being an actual human goaltender, which is nice. Tristan Jari is going the opposite way. In his last eight games, which is from that New York Rangers game, up to this point that he has played 7-1-0 is his record. He's only allowed 13 goals in that span, a 9.45 save percentage, and of course the one shutout against the New York Rangers. He has been absolutely dominant, and I don't think enough people are talking about it. I know our good friend and friend of the show, Hunter Hodes, he is he's been on it this entire time. He has been on it. So watching how good Tristan Jari has been just leading up to this matchup since the last time they played. I'm excited to see that goaltending matchup. It's going to be the highlight of the night is watching these two go back and forth. Uh, Something else I do want to see, we talked about him in the first segment. I want to see how Ricard Raquel continues to improve. And I also do want to see where he plays with. Now that we've seen him play that full game on the third line, and then we saw him play on the first line and get good results in a small sample size on Wednesday, I want to see where he begins, especially considering in the same games, we didn't really see Evan Rodriguez make that much of a difference. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm excited to see where Raquel ends up playing on Friday and what he does. I think he scores his first goal as a Penguin in this game. Ooh, in that game, I like that. Um, <clears throat> the Rangers are coming off three days rest. They haven't played since Tuesday. So mm-hmm. I thought they had a game beforehand. I don't know why I thought that. Um, but they are coming off some long rest, and they will be ready to go on Friday night, clearly. But I like the idea of Raquel getting a big goal. Because he is due. He's played very well in his two appearances so far. And, I mean, damn near had the game winner in Buffalo. So, I think I'm going to agree with you there. I like that idea. And, yeah, you know, I just... Something's got to pop at some point for him here quickly, especially because he's looked like he's going to do it fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to see what that has. And the last thing that I'm really excited to see, and not really excited, the last thing I'm going to be paying attention to is how the Penguins' fourth line operates in this high-stakes game. Because how often will Sullivan go to that unit anymore? Because before this trade deadline, his go-to, and he loved deploying it, he would start games off with this line sometimes, would be Zach Aston reese Teddy Bluger, and when healthy, either Brandon Tanev before or Brock McGinn this season. That's not there anymore. It is Teddy Bluger and... Brian Boyle redeems Ahorna, or I'm sure McGinn will be on that line whenever he returns. But it is a different look for the Penguins' fourth line. It does a different thing now. We saw a little bit more offense. It actually They actually played a really good game on Tuesday, as did the whole team. But Wednesday, it wasn't really good. It didn't look good. They weren't deployed for very long because there wasn't that trust. They weren't playing well. 
So how does it go in the third go-around, and what does Sullivan do, and how does he utilize them in a game this high stakes against a really good opponent? We have a traditional fourth line again. That's what I think it is. We have a traditional fourth line of here's where our minor league call-ups are going to be going. Here's where mm-hmm. um, guys that could be healthy scratched come full lineup time are going to be going. Uh, this isn't we have our solid fourth line. Anybody else is going to be on the third with a little more opportunity, so it's a little scarier. Mm-hmm. No, I, I kind of like our the idea of, of the fourth line that rotates. Again, it sucks being Bluger in that situation where everyone around you might be changing at all times. But once, yeah, you, get but if, Mc, once you get McGinn back, mm-hmm. it's a different story. You have two solids down there in McGinn and Bluger. Uh, but then who is your uh, other winger? I don't think that's going to matter too much because at least you have your pairing of a forwards. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we've seen for so long in, uh, with the Penguins. It's Crosby, Gensel. Malkin rest for a little bit, um, and then for the longest time we had Benino and Haglin, uh, and then mm-hmm. we, we've seen it for a long time. Or uh, Kessel and Malkin. That's there's always some there's always the duos of forwards, mm-hmm. and it was Aston Reese and Bluger, but now it just has to be Aston Reese and McGinn, which has been fine. So Bluger. filling in that last uh, wing spot isn't terrible, but it's a traditional fourth line again, which I like. Yeah, it's the plight of every fourth liner in the National Hockey League. You're not going to get... If you get a solid fourth line, then that just means that you're that good of a fourth line as a unit. And that's why we've seen it for the past three seasons that Mike Sullivan has liked that unit and he didn't want to change anything because they performed well. Well, now Tanev is gone. Now Zach Aston Reese is gone. Brock McGinn is injured. So guess what? That's the plight of every other fourth liner in the National Hockey League. And if anybody is built to withstand it, I believe it's Teddy Bluger, who is great on both ends of the ice. So he'll be able to play basically any style. The thing I was excited for with Aston Reese, and I talked about this in the last episode, our trade deadline special, was with Aston Reese gone, I'm excited to see what Bluger does with a more offensive core around him. We haven't seen that really because Brian Boyle, he is more offensive than Zach Aston Reese, obviously, but at the same time, that's not that much. Like, if we see a Drew O'Connor, if we even see Valtteri Pustin on that line, I'm intrigued to see what Bluger's offensive upside is playing with guys like that instead of Aston Reese, who is, as he said in his interview, his weird interview that he did for the Ducks, he is defense first and he prides himself on the defensive game that he's able to bring. But uh, we're gonna take a qu- we're gonna take a quick break. When we return, we're closing out this show with shout-outs and call-outs. Bring it right back here to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. Again, that's promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Well, we're going to finish off this show and this week at the Tip of the Iceberg, as we always do. Shoutouts, callouts. I'd like to start with my callout, if you would allow that, Horwat. I'm calling out the Ottawa Senators, and the Vegas Golden Knights because neither of them damn organizations have used Cap Friendly a day in their life. Because if you go to Cap Friendly and you scroll down for the Vegas Golden Knights and you scroll down, not too far, for Evgeny Dadanov, right next to his name says M-NTC, meaning Modified No Trade Clause. Also meaning he has a 10-team no trade list. Well, on Monday... He was traded to a team on his no-trade list, which is pretty illegal when it comes to the terms of a contract. That is what they call in the legal game a breach of contract. So he was traded to Anaheim at the deadline. It was the last trade in the NHL's trade central registry. Turns out, with that no partial no-trade clause, he's not going anywhere. He is back on the Vegas Golden Knights. The NHL nicks the deal entirely. Vegas is now stuck with that $5 million contract. He does have a year left. I'm sure it's going to get traded in the offseason. What do you do if you're Vegas, though? Do you play him? This guy knows you just traded him, didn't even bother there to ask if he had a no-trade clause, who was on that 10-team list. What does he think about this whole situation? I know I'm interested to see. He hasn't spoke on it yet. 
but he's he's on the Vegas Golden Knights team. He has a five million dollar cap hit, and the Vegas Golden Knights currently their cap number is ninety two. Oh, sorry, ninety three million dollars in an eighty one and a half million dollar cap. Now, of course, when you look at their roster, there's a reason they're out of the playoffs right now. Injured reserve: Max Pacioretty, Robin Leonard, Riley Smith, Braden McNabb. Pretty good players. Long term injured reserve: Mark Stone. Alec Martinez, and Jake Bischoff. I mean, Jake Bischoff is, of course, the small name on that, but that is a really good amount of players that are really good on their injured reserve, which is why they're allowed to have $93 million worth of salary cap to play these games. But you would imagine if they want to do anything this year, which they do, they would want to get those guys back off of injured reserve, and they would need to get rid of $10 million in a salary cap. So... Dadanov is $5 million is back there. They don't know what to do. It is confirmed that certainly Kelly McCrimmon does not understand how to use cap friendly. I think this is a crappy situation for Dadanov. I think this is a comical situation that should never happen at this level. Like realistically, if schmucks like me and you can go into cap friendly and say, Hey, that's probably not going to be legal. I would imagine the lawyers that are general managers in the national hockey league, should know that. Of course, the NHL is pointing the finger at the Ottawa Senators for not telling the Vegas Golden Knights about the no-trade clause, but come on, guys. Like, what do you do all day? You should know what the contracts are that you're trying to trade, or maybe you should ask the player agent or the player, hey, did you happen to have a no-trade clause? Because we're trying to trade you to Anaheim, to be fully honest, and uh, we would not like to be stuck with you after the deadline. That's the thing. That's not how it works, and that's why these two teams, I mean, poor Anaheim, they're like, we thought we were getting a good player and a good deal because you were in a crappy situation, but Las Vegas Golden Knights continue to absolutely treat their players like shit. Isaiah, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like they didn't tell him. They didn't. Because not. And that's, guess what? That's not the first time that happened because if you tell the player, hey, we're trading you, uh, no, you're not, I have, their team. that's a team on my list, and they could be like, oh, okay, never mind. Then they work from there. No, they mm-hmm. did not tell him. They put the trade into the registry. And again, like we saw them do this with Flurry over the offseason. All that one got resolved and he was cool with it because Flurry's an angel. But you tell your guys what you're doing. You're not running a business properly if you have to multiple times in a calendar year have a trade almost turned down because you didn't tell the player Mm -hmm. you didn't tell his agent that they were moving them or even tell the agent at least hey we're trading your guy because the agent would be right away no he's no he has this on his contract you can't be like okay yeah that's fine just remember there's no trade list oh whatever it may be like yeah and it's laughable at this point that they're not following proper rules they're just trying to do what they listen you the you made your bed, now sleep in it. You're ten million over the cap for a reason because you can't say no. Hey, Jack Eichel wants a trade. Say no. Sure, he's playing fine. Sure, you had to wait on him, but guess what? Now you're his contract over the limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this could have been resolved if you didn't sign him. Not saying that it wasn't a great idea to get him. Anybody would have taken Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. But then you have to remember: well, you signed Mark Stone for however many millions. You're his contract over the limit. Max Pacioretty, Petrangelo, you signed and you signed a trade for all these guys, and now you're ten million over. Now you're looking at this like, how did this happen? Because you're playing, you're running your team like a video game. That's why. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; it's fun. It's a ton of fun building a roster like that. But when push comes to shove, and the cap is actually like, hey, you uh, you can't go past this number. Okay, cool. Can we try and trade someone? Sure. Yeah, that's how you're supposed to get under it. All right, cool. We're going to trade this guy. Did you did, did, did you look into that? No. Oh, okay. We're going to try and trade this guy. No, you can't. Like, it's... Kelly McCrimmon's been in the league for how long? A long time. How has he not... Has he ever run into these issues before? I don't believe so, but I also don't know if he's ever been given the green light like he has in Vegas. Like, Vegas, yeah. this is the backing from the top down saying, hey, listen, we want to win games. We don't care what it costs. Like, screw the future. We have the team now. Yeah. Go get people. Go get stars. And that's that's been their thing for five straight seasons. And guess it's starting to catch up with them because they've started to have to give away players 
for nothing. They've started to treat their players like crap, not telling them they're giving them away because they create this atmosphere where people want to come play for them. And now they're creating this atmosphere where, yeah, it'd be nice to play for them, but how long is that going to last? Because Schmidt's gone, face of the franchise, Flurry's gone. You didn't care about that. Now you're sending Dadanov away in this situation where you have to sell off good players for nothing because you put yourself in this situation by trophy hunting to go out and get guys like Eichel and Petrangelo. I say, yeah, hey, look, we're selling off uh, our franchise. We're we're not telling you about it either. But you know what? We're going to make up for it by a shiny, slightly used, needs a neck surgery, Jack Eichel. All yeah. right. That's I mean, cool. Like I said, anybody would have taken Jack Eichel. Anybody. Anybody. But now you're that contract over the cap. Maybe you should have let someone else take him. I don't know. Or you, you shouldn't have waited till the last minute to try to get under. I mean, I, I get there. He's in a bad situation, too. Let's not forget the fact that Kelly McCrimmon has probably the best lineup of injured players yeah. out of the oh, yeah. lineup. But at the same exact time, like you've put yourself in this position. You had plenty of time to say, you know what? We do need to get under the cap whenever these guys come back. I know they're injured, but like we should probably try to make some moves and some contingency plans and trust our system to get us to the playoffs. But that's the other thing. You've traded away so much, you can't just say, hey, our young guys are going to hold the fort down while everybody else is injured because your young guys are not existent. You've traded Nick Suzuki. You've traded Peyton Krebs. You've traded all of your good players that were young to get these guys and not let, let me be honest when all of them are on the ice together i'm sure it's gonna be electric and i'm sure they're gonna be unstoppable but you gotta get them on the ice together and you gotta get them cap compliant and that's an issue gotta get them on the ice gotta be under the cap and you know what you need a goalie you know what you had a vesna winning goalie well yeah but also they wouldn't have been able to get jack eichel if they would have still had flurry's contract and and leonard's contract both on the same thing but you know what the, to be completely honest this was the NFL, it wouldn't be a problem because they just restructure everything the way they do it, and then randomly the cap space appears. Yeah, that makes too. no sense. That too. So, be, uh, I mean, we've yeah, talked I about like this a long of, time. Yeah, I like the idea of restructuring contracts, though. I do. I think more team. I think more sports should take that on. That's because genuinely, that's a. I mean, it's anything that any team would be allowed to do. It, it's a. It's uh, a competitive advantage. It's not a competitive advantage for a team to be like, hey, uh, Genie Mall, can you make a lot of money? Can we lower that because you're getting older? And if he's willing to do it, he's willing to do it. That's for the betterment of the team. I don't know why that. I don't know why contract restructuring is a bad. It's like, I don't know, a bad idea. I think it's good. Uh, I think it's good. I've liked it. It's funny because like a team like the New Orleans Saints, where seventy million dollars over the salary cap, and then a week later, without making any actual moves, just restructuring contact uh, contracts, they had forty million dollars in cap space. Like I, I don't understand it. That's, but it's the same time. It makes for a very interesting theater. But uh, let's move over to your call out because we spent a lot of time on the Vegas Golden Knights and, and salary caps and contracts and stuff. So my call out kind of uh, is a little reverse, if you will. Um, <laughs> I'm calling out the, uh, the uh, I almost said the designer of the Toronto Maple Leafs, New Jersey's because it was Justin Bieber. So yeah. the uh, the initial side, the black and the blue, the blue leaf, it's fucking sick. I like that a lot. It's really cool. I do too. The flip side, the literal flip side, the in, the reversible side, not. I I don't care that it's yellow. I don't mind that. That's not the part that I'm calling out here. I'm calling out the fact that it is quite literally just the in, the jersey inside out. Yeah. The tags are hanging out. The fight straps hanging out. The stitches are yeah. literally visible. The numbers and names are backwards on the inside out. It's stupid. I don't yeah. care. It's really dumb. When you buy some, first of all, I haven't seen reversible clothing in years. Like I haven't seen anybody like, look at my reversible sweater. I haven't seen that in so long. Um, this is not a reversible jersey. This is an inside-out jersey you smacked a smaller logo on. Because that's literally the only change, that and the colors. Like I said, mm. I don't mind the yellow. But quite literally, all of the patches, like it's all of the patching and... Uh, stitching is visible that's not cool i don't think it looks tacky as shit mm -hmm. and again the num the names and numbers being backwards is really jarring i like the idea i love the concept a reversible jersey would be cool but you messed it up because there's just tags hanging off of you and yeah. stitching hanging off of you and uh everything's backwards and the fight strap just kind of hanging there like a tail 
Yeah. It's really dumb. I Again, I like the idea. I like the concept. I don't even mind. Like, let's say you sewed everything in and it looked good and looked pretty. I'd probably be okay with it, but it looks dumb. It looks tacky yeah. and it looks like you didn't try really. You just took the cool new jersey, the outside that they wore for the next gen game. Looked awesome. Mm-hmm. You said, all right. I liked flip- it. It was cool. Yeah, I liked the idea of the Leafs wearing a black jersey. You flipped that inside out and said, we're done. Yeah. That's not a reversible jersey. That's an inside-out jersey. Great concept, poor execution. Poor execution. And I have not looked at the price yet. I've been meaning to because it is... Too much. I can Too much money. It's the Maple Leafs. It is too much money. It's the Leafs. It's reversible. It's designed by a different celebrity. Um, Yeah, it's Bieber. Yeah. I'm pretty sure anything Drew House is very expensive. Yeah, they um, their regular merch they did earlier in the year was stupid expensive too. Yeah, why is this telling two hundred? It's the regular price because of how shitty it looks inside out. That's why. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't know. So it's the regular price. All right, cool. I mean, I would have assumed there'd be a little price uh, price bump Increase. to it, like. But two, I mean, I forget what jerseys are these days. Two fifty sounds about right. That's a, that's around it. Yeah, I would have expected minimum three. Just because, I was expecting to be like three fifty. Yeah, because you figure it's in a way it's two jerseys, and also because it doesn't matter what the price is, Toronto fans are gonna buy a Toronto jersey. Oh, and they're gonna love it regardless. The Correct. Or, the arenas jerseys were bad. They were um, bad. The heritage, were, like comparatively. These were better than the Heritage Classic and the Reverse Retro. Yes. Easily. The Aretna's jersey was bad. But you know what Toronto fans did? They loved them. They did. Uh, Too bad they lost in them. Not really, but too bad they lost in them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I just love the concept. I do. Just horrible execution. It literally looks like you just flipped the jersey inside out. Again, I don't even mind the yellow. The yellow's kind of cool. But... And that's not even like a Pittsburgh thing saying, hey, you took our colors. No, you didn't. We took Boston's colors. Let's tell it like it is. NHL-wise, at least. NHL-wise, yeah. Um, but but the just... Steelers. Steelers and Pirates already had it. Yeah, actually, well... Correct. I think the... I think in the grand history of the Pittsburgh sports, I think the Steelers had it first, and I think the Pirates picked it up later because they were blue and red for a very long time. Yeah. But then everyone followed suit, so... That being said, dumb jersey... Uh, I like the outside, though. Wear that one all the time. So uh, let's move over to your shout-out, Horwat. Who are you shouting out? Uh, the, return shouting of, out? the return of baseball, the return of spring training, because summer is in the air. O'Neal Cruz is hitting golf ball home runs and just absolute <laughs> moonshots. He should be fun this year. I can't and wait to see him on opening day in Altoona. You know what? Whatever, whatever works. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to discuss uh, Brian Reynolds in that. Hee-hee, no. That's oh, okay move on from that but just look at our shiny new o'neill cruz and i haven't seen what Brian hayes has done yet i don't think anything i don't think he's played yet um but you know what who cares baseball is back the the rangers and the whatever else team i forget who it was put up a 25 to 15 game isn't spring training so much fun yes uh baseball is back and that's all that matters to me and that's just the short sweet call out of hey the smell of spring is in the air summer is right around the corner like I mentioned, O'Neal Cruz is doing stupid things at the plate. And you, the Pirates may suck this year, but you they know will. what? Going to games is a lot of fun. That's what I'm excited about. Because they got the CBA worked out. Baseball will return. Whether or not it helped the Pirates or not. It didn't. It didn't. It, Very it much. didn't. But and you know what else I'm looking forward to? And I forgot about this. Daniel Vogelbach hitting one over the river. That'll be it. No, honestly, I'm excited to see Cabrian Hayes. I'm excited to see O'Neill Cruz. I'm excited to see Rodolfo Castro this year. I'm excited to watch Pirates baseball. I'm excited to watch baseball in general. How can you not be romantic about baseball? It's it's great. I'm excited for opening day. A couple weeks away now. Oh, wait. Two weeks from today, in, in fact. Opening day is always it? fun. Pirate, listen, the Pirates may not be fun. Themselves. Pirates usually win on opening day, which means that'll be the only time we have a winning record. Yeah, but you know what? It's I'm not shouting out the Pirates specifically because they're not in a good discussion with Brian Reynolds, and that's very not fun. But I'm shouting out baseball returning, and if you want to slip O'Neill Cruz in there, absolutely. Give me I'm if listen. We thought hockey jerseys were expensive. You ever look at a baseball jersey price? My God, I bought one when I was drunk at a Pirates game. 
Woof, I am sorry. I woke up the next day and I was like, hey, I gotta, well, I, I, I wasn't blackout drunk, but I was, hey, I have a Josh Bell jersey now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought it made up for the fact, considering that I got into the game for free because it was $1 tickets and somebody picked mine up. Uh, but at the same oh, time, picked up a dollar. yeah, well, they picked up, they said, let's get the, you were at that game. Oh, it was that game. Hell that yeah. That was the game you came down to whenever I was like, you were like, oh, you're going to the Pirates game. I was like, yeah, tickets are a dollar. You're like, what? I was like, yeah, it's I think Pirates, I was, man. I think I was still wearing my work attire. Yeah. So at the same time, I do like that Jersey. I, I wanted a Pirates black Jersey with a big P. So I got one. I just have to notice that it's a Josh Bell Jersey. It is interesting when I wear it around Washington, DC, but there you uh, go. that's a good point. <laughs> But my shout-out to end out the show, I'm shouting out March Madness. Uh, 2022 is the year I fell in love with college basketball. Usually I don't like the round ball game, basketball, but I've enjoyed it. You know, I have to start following it for my job because covering every sport and, of course, national sports shows mostly lean towards basketball in the wintertime. So I started watching it. I started covering it. And honestly, I've really enjoyed watching college basketball this year. And March Madness this past week was crazy. The first weekend was great. I'm excited for the Sweet 16, which starts tonight. And with that, I figured we'd finish the show by talking about how our Final Fours are doing. Horwat, what was your wanna, Final Four and how's it doing? I don't want to talk about it. Listen, okay, oh, so... that bad? On the opening day of uh, March Madness, at, I was in the office. I had just filled out my bracket the day before. It was the first... It was the first uh, college basketball games I had watched in maybe since before the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched college basketball in a very, 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 very long time. And my final four went, because I'll just read you the final four and you can laugh in my face. Oh, I'm ready. UConn, Baylor, oh. Oh. Tennessee, Auburn. That was my final four. All four oh. teams are now out. They were out early, in fact. And looking at these standings, I only filled out one bracket because, again, I didn't watch basketball all year. Mm -hmm. uh, I filled out the odyssey pittsburgh bracket i have a very very good chance of finishing dead last yeah i have 55 sounds like it i have 55 possible points and i think only one person has fewer points than me and i looked at that bracket and it didn't look like a real bracket it looked like a joke Oof. so i have a very good opportunity of finishing last in the office that'll be quite fun i think but other than that uh did i predict anything correctly like at all something fun i can bring up I don't know. That uh, sounds. If your final four is first of all, if you had a, a UConn in the final four, I I, I pray for you. Um, but again, you said you never wa you didn't watch any college basketball this year or, or last year or yeah. the year prior. So I didn't even fill out uh, a bracket last year. Yeah, neither did I. Honestly, I was falling out of love with even doing the brackets, and then I I got this job, and obviously I fell back in love with it. My final four. All four are still alive, to be completely honest, which makes me very happy. Uh, my final four is Kansas, Villanova, Gonzaga, and UCLA. Uh, and then the finals, I have Kansas beating the Zags, Gonzaga. Rock, Chalk, Jayhawk, let's go. I'm, I'm ready. I'm a, I, you said you were going to finish last in my bracket pool. I, right now, have the ability to finish third or higher, which is in the money, and that is what I'm shooting for. Hell yeah, that's very nice. Here, here's my one redeeming quality. I got every first round match in the South Division correct. In the South Region. There you go. The first round? Yeah. Like, I got Arizona, hey. TCU, Houston, Illinois, uh, Michigan. That was the upset. That was, was your upset. But it was yeah. Michigan. I think you we all knew You picked Michigan because it was Michigan. Yeah, and I didn't know Colorado. And I didn't recognize the Colorado State logo. Tennessee, yeah, Ohio State, State and Villanova. So, okay, how about so that? I knew Loyola was going to lose. How about that? <laughs> There you go. I took Loyola to not be chalk in that division because also I think Ohio State is trash, and they, they really are. They just weren't as trash in that game. So realistically, honestly, it's been very fun watching college basketball this past week. This weekend's going to be really good. The one thing that I, I certainly didn't didn't depend on, didn't pick, is that the, the freaking Peacocks would be in the Sweet 16. But you got to love the Peacocks, and you gotta let them fly as they were able to take down Kentucky in the first round, and then I don't even remember who they beat in the second round, but they weren't as good as Kentucky, that's for sure, but uh, should be a fun finish over the next, what, still two weeks left of March Madness, so it's gonna be fun finishing it out, and I'm hoping that I get in the money, like I said, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, let's go Kansas. I really hope I come in dead last, I think that'll be funny. You don't have anything in your pool where you have to, like, buy something if you're dead last? 
Oh, I didn't tattoo or anything. I didn't see that part of the email. I hope not. Oh, I'll bank on one. I'll bank on the uh, one person that has that has the joke bracket uh, below me and say, "Look, no, he's his that that bracket's in last, not mine." Okay, fair it's enough. not like one of the. It's not like their um, like the fans fantasy football league where they have an actual trophy made. Yeah, uh, it's just like the office where like sales is involved and stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what there is. If there is something, I'll take that joke. I think it's funny. Um, coming in last can be hysterical sometimes. You got to wear a peacock costume for three days to work. I'll do it. Like Will Smith and Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Tent me, I'll do it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Big game coming up tomorrow. Penguins versus Rangers. We hope the Penguins, of course, come out with a victory. Then they take on the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday. So big weekend of hockey for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We will be back on Monday to break it all down for you. Ricard Raquel scores his first goal. I predict yes. That's going to do it. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.